Hi guys and welcome back to the Hive Podcast. I'm Vince and I have another guest here with me today. I'm very excited that Lyndon is joining me. Lyndon, thank you so much for being here with us. It's great to be here, man. Thank you for inviting me. Of course, yeah. Lyndon is uh, the owner of Arc Digital Agency. That's a UK-based agency that um, helps um, people with their marketing uh, and automation. So basically what Lyndon is doing is helping business owners, small and medium-sized business owners to basically accelerate their business by taking uh, the analytics they have, the data that they have, and then turning them into real results. Now, um, Lyndon, I'm very grateful that you are here. And uh, I just wanted to ask you um, kind of the first question that came to my mind as we were um, you know, chatting before recording this. Um, why do so many businesses fail? You have your business, uh, you know, you have your experience, but there's tons of examples out there that show us, okay, a lot of businesses fail, even with an Adventism. Why is that? Uh, I mean, it's, it's a solid question. And there were many answers to that question. But I think for me, the most common reason why businesses fail is because they create a product that nobody wants. Uh, and I think that's, that's a very common thing. And the problem is when you're creating something, you get passionate about the thing you're creating. You really like it. In fact, you you love it. You think this is going to change the world. The most common statement these days, it's the next Uber, you know, um, and you're really passionate about it. We don't want to get started on it. We don't want to build on it. Then you start it and you're going around saying, hey, this is a thing. And you realize no one's picking up your product. No one's actually picking up what it is that you're, you're, you're giving. And at this point, you've got a choice, essentially. You can either drop it completely and move on to something different. But what we should be doing in that situation is, okay, what is it the customer actually wants? Because you may not be too far off. You may not be too far off, you know, uh, using Uber as an example. You know, what if uh, Uber began with setting texts? And it's like, right, imagine you can text someone and the car comes to you. And if you try to do that, people are like, I don't want to text a car. That's weird. And you just stopped rather than maybe developing an app and doing it that way and moving forward in that vein. So I think that the, the most common reason why, why businesses fail is because they aren't actually meeting the needs of the actual customer, the target uh, customers they're aiming for. That's what I would say is one of the most, most top ones. Wow, that's, that's, that's really true. And, um, you know, you as a business owner, um, you have had the experience uh, or you are experiencing this right now. You're solving um, someone's problem because you have a functioning business. Now, now tell me, how did you get started with Arc Digital Agency? Um, what was the problem that you were solving and how did it all start? Man, I was a, I was, I was a young man then. I was a young man. <laughs> uh, how did Arc start? So for a long time, I've been uh, freelance building websites for people. Uh, and my, my best friend, I was going to say best friend at the time, but still, yeah, my best friend, he was uh, building WordPress websites. And we, we, we actually didn't know when we got together. It was like, oh, you do this, yeah, I'll do this. And we realized that with all our clients, their hosting needs, so where the website is stored and, and uploads and does all this stuff, uh, they, weren't, they were really difficult to understand. The prices were varied. The interface was terrible. And we wanted to do something about it. So what we decided to do is to actually start a hosting company. So we, 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 we did just that. We uh, had a super clean, super simple website explaining what all the different elements are. They had what we now call as tool tips. So you hover over it and understand what it is you're getting, what it is you're paying for. Really simple pricing structure. And we started from there. What was the problem right there when you when you actually started um, to this hosting company? Like if you have to if you had to kind of describe that problem that you were solving for the people back then, what was that? 
Here's the thing. If I'm honest, when we first started, I don't think we knew enough about business then. What I think is the clients that came, came for the simplicity. We believed we were solving a problem where they would understand what hosting is about. That's what we believed the problem was. The actual problem was the simplicity of how it worked. The ease and simplicity of joining a hosting company, having someone to sort everything out for them. So the problem that we actually was resolving, were resolving, I feel at the time wasn't the problem we thought we were resolving. So uh, the problem we resolved in the end was the simplicity, the, the ease of just joining our platform and, and being a hosting client with us. I think that was the problem that we solved uh, from, from there. Um, so then we're doing that. And then you continued, right? Yeah, so the challenge then was all the customers that we'd said, you know what, we're, we're only going to focus on hosting now, they wanted to come back to us. We'd partnered with different developers and, and they wanted to continue to work with us. But if you're going to go back into a field, you want to do something different, you want to grow, you want to improve. So our method of improving was adding additional features. So yes, we'll build the website and yes, we'll host the website, but what's going to maintain the website for you? We're going to keep it up and running. We're going to remove spam. We're going to do various different bits and pieces to help your website continue. And uh, they loved it. You know, customers came back, we carried on building it and there's one of our options. And at the time, we were doing a lot more to market who we are and what we were doing. We, we had a much more active campaigns and so on. And some of our clients saw that and liked what they saw and asked, can we do this? And we never really thought about it. We were more than happy building and maintaining websites and so on. Um, but we said we gave it a shot and we built a digital agency, built a, a methodology where we can take the existing data, because that's what we did, have a look at. What is the analytics telling us? What's the data telling us? What's the tracking information telling us? And be able to tailor and direct our message to those who wanted to hear it, who were more likely to be able to join our services and so on. We did the same thing for our clients. And over time, after learning and developing our product, we became our digital agency, which we are today. Um, and we continue to support clients. We were able to expand and work in Europe and, and some clients in the US and Canada and so on helping them to reach their target market, reach with their message uh, across that, that sized audience. So that was really exciting. And um, we, we've been doing it ever since. Cool, man. Are you, uh, are you expensive? If I want to do that, I want to build my, my website and kind of reach more, more audiences. I'm just thinking about people listening right now. Uh, yeah, can, can we get in touch with you? Or are you, are you like high-end, uh, you know, <laughs> pricing point? It's, it's a good question. It's a good question. The way we look at it is this. There was a friend of mine I, I met uh, a, a while ago. Clubhouse used to be all the range. And, and, I, and I met somebody on Clubhouse. And he had this business model called Skin in the Game. All his clients, he would sign up for free. And they pay based on, or he gets paid based on what he's able to achieve. And I thought that was an incredible model, a very brave model. One which I have not accommodated, just to clarify, but I think that was a really awesome and brave model. Yeah. But the, the way I look at it is this. If we're going to work with a client, we similarly need to make sure that we can reach success for that client. If you come to us with a clear business strategy, even a business model, uh, a, a retention strategy, a customer journey, a branding strategy, a marketing strategy, that therefore means that our workload is less which means our products are more affordable. But if you're going to come to us in the early stages of your business, 
and we're going to work with you. We want to make sure that success works both ends. So what that means is we may uh, invest heavier in you to be able to get you to that point where we can make sure that when we invest our time, as well as your time, we're going to get an end product. So it's the, the key thing is when it comes to how much we, we charge and how much um, you know investment the, the, the client has put in with us, what we look at it is what is the product you're going to get out of it? And we're going to make sure you're going to get the highest quality product possible. And on occasions, yes, that does mean it's a higher cost. But the investment is relative to the end product you get at the end. Yeah. Well, that sounds fair. Yeah, I like that. Um, that's awesome. Now, you've been doing this for a while now, right? I mean, you you were joining Hive when we just started off, and, and now you're you're more focusing on your business right now. Uh, and, and, and I mean, I don't know. How many years has it been now? Oh, man. We started in 2015 whole thing started in 2015 um that was as arc web web hosting so you went you went past the the five year mark then that's great we did it wasn't necessarily you know, much of a celebration because if you think about it what we've offered what we've achieved what we've done has changed the most since we became a digital agency so we aren't necessarily celebrating too much maybe when we reach a five-year mark with a digital agency then that that could be a thing we'll see we'll see yeah yeah well, it's it's great, man. But but looking back at that time, I mean, you've had this experience, well, both with the digital agency, but also with building websites and being there for your clients. Uh, what's your, um, I would say, what's kind of the number one struggle, the number one problem that you've actually uh, come across as you were working as a as an Adventist Christian business owner with other people? What's like the number one struggle? It's, that's a very good question. A very good question. And. I'm going to be tactful when I share this. I'm going to be very tactful as I share this. For me, one of the biggest struggles working with Adventists themselves, and that's not necessarily because um, Adventists are bad or, or, or whatever else. Let me explain. When you first start out, your biggest uh, your biggest people that you can tap into is your network. So you're reaching out to your network and saying, "Hey, I now do this. You know, if you or anybody you know would like that kind of service, let me know, and we'll work together." And naturally, as an inventor, back then, I didn't have the network I have now. Hive wasn't invented yet. Jesse was still busy doing whatever he was doing, so it didn't exist. So the only network I had was the network I had here in the UK. But the, the two elements of stigma you have with Adventist is um, they're not willing to, to pay because it's a faith-based service. It's God's, it's, it's God's involved, therefore it should be free. The second element is the end product isn't very good. And the two could coincide. If you're not paying for something, then naturally the end product is not going to be great. Um, and that for me was the, was, the, was the biggest challenge. But when it comes to you, unless your product is literally geared specifically towards Adventists, then your focus shouldn't necessarily be on the Adventists and their approach and what it works like. Let me give an example. We recently worked for, well, I say recently, it was a couple of months back now. We went for a client in London who was Adventist-based. And they really wanted to work with an Adventist, but naturally they had their reservations. So they got in contact with someone who then got in contact with me and said, look, we really want really uh, someone to help us with, with this website we want to build. And at the end of the project, they shared with me their skepticism about working with a, an Adventist. Um, but the important thing is throughout the entire project, they were a client. Yes, they were Adventist. Yes, they were from uh, you know an ethnic minority, but they were a client. 
We didn't change our approach as you would do with any other client. We had the same meeting structures we normally did. We had the same milestone meetings as we normally did. The, the pricing was the same as it normally is. This person is a client. And when they understand that, the, that we're dealing with is a client and not an adventist or not, or not a, specific, a specific category, then they understand, well, we are dealing with professionals at the end of the day. And that's one of the key things I would say to encourage anyone who's starting out in this field, in this game, if you're working with adventists, treat them as a client, treat them as a product, go through all the customer journey steps. They may find it funny. It's like, hey man, we go to church together. I hear you. But you're still going through the steps to protect your product, your brand, and their end product. You skip a couple steps, the product isn't as good. You're now back to square one in that the quality is low. Or you skip a couple steps and then you might have an issue with payment. Whereas if you do all the steps they're supposed to do, then you won't necessarily have those challenges. So I think especially starting out as, as faith-based and reaching out to my network, that was some of the key kind of issues that I faced. But if you treat them as a regular client uh, throughout your entire customer journey, then there's a much, much higher likelihood you'll be okay. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, I think it's very important, especially for those of us listening right now who have an idea, who want to just get started. And then uh, we have our Adventist network that's out there and we want to start by reaching out to them and say, hey, look look at this idea. Look at what I have. Are you interested in signing up? Are you interested in joining? Right. And then and then maybe, you know, that could be for customers, but also for uh, business partners. We don't treat them the way we should treat them. And and there needs to be a, a level of pro- a professionalism, which when I look at the Bible, you know, I look at I look at God, I look at the sanctuary, I look at um, how he's treating his people. There is a level of order. There is a le- level of like professionalism involved that actually surpasses what we see in the world. So I don't really understand why we have this idea of like, okay, uh, let's just like treat everyone as, as, you know, it's just, it's just a friend from church, you know, like you say, and then like the quality suffers and we don't want to pay anyone for anything. I mean, we're not going, we're not going anywhere with this, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's funny you mention that because it's something I'm very, very passionate about. And there was two varies in there for a reason. Um, when you look, as you said, historically in the Bible and the importance of the quality and the control and the importance of the impact and all the other steps we have in the Bible, it was super important, super important. And there was, there's, a, there's a message that my, my sister shared with me, and I, for the life of me, I wish I could remember the, both the speaker and the church that he spoke from. But he shared some of the incredible things that, yeah, I mean, skipping past the Bible, even from an Adventist perspective, our pioneers and what they did in finding and um, founding the church, the printing press, some of these incredible products projects were put on. If uh, for those of you who are old enough to remember, we had a product called Net Ninety Eight, where we were streaming live all over the world at the same time as an Adventist faith. And then it's kind of, it almost seems like it's, it's kilted off, you know, like now for us for when we're doing a, a church campaign if you want people to attend your church campaign right our most common methodology is door to door okay let's let's go crazy right i mean obviously in the us depending where you listen to it depending on the size of the church you may attend a church of a thousand members you know my local church on the books maybe 120 130 members and that could be quite large for some i think the average in the uk i think is somewhere between 30 to 40 members i think i could be wrong but i think um and so you let, let's go crazy. You print off, say, 500 flyers, 500 flyers to deliver door to door, right? And you're posting these flyers in door to door. Printing of the flyers maybe cost you around 50, 60 quid, maybe. I don't know. 
but you feel you've may be able to make that impact. But the real, real situation is you've delivered 500 flies blindly to people's doors just based on their locality, assuming that the locality allows them to attend. If you invested that same amount of money with a sponsored ad, same amount of money, sponsored ad on the internet, right? And you invited these or you invited a specific category, individuals uh, targeted ads that are relevant to the audience. You save more money, but reach a wider audience. But we don't do this. And it's like, why don't we do this? Why are we not using the same methodologies and the same tools that the, uh, the, the, the businesses are using to reach the, uh, their, their target audience? You know, if I was going to go into a board meeting, if you were to go into a board meeting and say, I think we should do A-B testing on our email campaigns, assuming, of course, your church does an email campaign, what, 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 is AB, what, what even is that, you know? But this is standard. This is normal in the business world. And um, it's actually a problem I'm, I'm looking to solve. Uh, I didn't share with this beforehand, but I, I'm, I am in the process of doing market research and finding... Um, market fit for a Christian organization which does just this um, because the world the, the world has all these tools but they're selling you a product where we're selling you as, as we like to joke and call it life after death insurance you know we're, 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 we're selling we're not selling we're sharing the good news but we're not using all the tools that are available to share that good news you know Wow. So yeah, something I'm really passionate about. Yeah, this is really important, you know, and, and I think that we just have to kind of wake up. I feel like a lot of people actually woke up during COVID and the pandemic and realized, okay, now that things are fundamentally different, we actually need to change the paradigm. We need to change the way we do evangelism. I've been looking out, you know, on social media, even like uh, Spotify and YouTube, like random people from church and even my own friends, you know, they start suddenly started to like start their own podcast or start to, uh, I don't know, uh, start, start a blog, start whatever it is. Right. So, so just becoming a little more creative. I feel like that should have happened 10, 20, 30 years ago. Um, because we see that in the world and, and, and we see how people are using these technologies, like we say, but we're not really using it. So I think that's a really major takeaway here to really acknowledge the, the possibility, the technical features that are out there and just the new strategies that are out there and actually use them for God's glory to help really reach the world. Um, now, the last question I have here, I think we have, we recognize this need and we're going to have actually other guests here on this show who share uh, also more on the topic of innovation within Adventism uh, because I'm very excited that we already have people who are doing this and who are very, very passionate and skilled about it. Um, but like, I want to ask you just final question here. What is the last step that or I should say what's the first step that you should take uh, or that I should take that we should take as a church to really um, become more innovative man Vince you come up with the big ones here man you come up with the big questions what are the last step or what's the first step a church can do to be innovative here's the thing innovation is a this big scary word right and you touched on it just a moment ago earlier on when you mentioned what was going on if someone says innovate you're thinking wow you know, I'm going to make a Christian blog, like a new app, like a new website service where, you know, when you post, it says, Alleluia, you know, and you can join anyone with an Adventist.org email address can automatically sign up. People creating a Christian podcast already are innovating. 
innovating isn't about re uh, you know reinventing the wheel it's about using the wheel in a slightly different way than what it's been used before all right let me give an example um one of the things is there's a there's a speaker called justin kim pastor pastor kim he works for the gc and he was he, we were attending an event together and he said something which kind of semi blew my mind many young people and i say young i've i just turned 32 or something i'm leaving that field but many young people they they struggle with their local churches and they want to make changes and improvements and they say you know the church should do this we should be doing this a lot more we should be figuring this out and they say this when they you know on the sabbath where they're not at church they've maybe gone to church once in that month but the church needs to do this and yet the church doesn't even know who they are and it's fair enough that you hear the questions but who are you like why you know imagine if if the young people were innovative enough to just attend the church practice attendance ministries pastor kim said just attend in order for you to change the game you need to be in the game you can't change the game when you don't show up you know as a player if you don't show up to training you're not going to be able to get on the field but if you show up for training time and time again it's got high likelihood to be able to get in the field when you get on the field you can make a difference so once again innovation could be just attending your church service in a similar way as you said creating blogs creating podcasts that is innovation that is you're doing something different which other people aren't doing you know innovation you, you can't be able to deliver flies and postbox that's not innovation but you imagine having um i'll tell you what it is it's another thing that we don't hear in the NEC we've sent out a, a mail shot into a local community with a card saying we're praying for you and nowhere in the card does it say that we are adventist it just says we're praying for you email us your prayer requests that's it all right and maybe this has been done some months before i don't know in the uk or in the NEC it's the first time i've ever heard of it and and luckily our church was chosen to be the, the church kind of spearhead this loads of postcards sent in saying look we're just praying for you got a prayer request email us with people emails and contacting us and then we can reach out to them the only way you'd know it's adventist is if you're aware of the adventist branding structure and having the, the seven templates with the uh, the seventh column being different color other than that you'd have no idea you're, you're taking an original concept posting a letterbox isn't new but doing a mail shot with just the idea of praying for you that's innovation so my recommendation to you is you don't need to do something crazy you don't need to reinvent the wheel you don't need to do something out there but just take something you already have and adapt it slightly and learn on how you can reach a potentially a different audience or or the same audience in a different way uh that's what i would say that's a very long answer of, of, of way of getting there It is so important, man. And we want to appeal to you right now listening. There's something on your heart right now that God is calling you to do. It might not, as Lyndon says, reinventing the wheel. It might just be, you know, using the wheel that you have in a slightly different way. And that's how we can get started. We can also get called to literally reinvent something. Uh, like when we look at the pioneers of our church, when we look at uh, the history of, the, of, of just Christianity, right, uh, of God's people in the past, um, that could be something that you could also kind of, you know, get 
that call to do. But um, no matter where you are, I think it's important that you start, even if it's just like Lyndon said, attending your church, being innovative when it comes to local evangelism, just uh, being there for the people around you and, and, and then using the ideas and the talents that God gave you to really start making a difference. And small steps at a time count. Um, and, and Lyndon, I just want to thank you so much for, for encouraging us today, for being on the show with me. Uh, it's been a pleasure. It's been a privilege. And uh, it's been really practical, I think. And, and that's so important um, because we want to make this relevant for uh, the people here. Uh, and, and, and just, yeah, thank you again for joining. Um, any last words? Um, I think the thing that I always end up with pretty much any uh, interview, any talk, any presentation on business is please go and make mistakes. Make lots of mistakes. Uh, don't worry about, you know, does my website look okay? And, you know, uh, have I set this up? And how's my email signature looking? Is my logo the right color? Just go and do it. And you're going to make mistakes. And that's okay. The more mistakes you make, the better you'll learn from it. You know, the saying is, um, sailors learn best from high winds and rough seas. They don't learn from smooth sailing. Go out there, do your thing, make mistakes, learn from mistakes, grow from your mistakes. But if you don't do anything, you won't get anywhere. So make as many mistakes as you can. Are you looking for free and practical resources to grow your missional business? Go to hiveinternational.org slash resources for free templates, videos, presentations, and worksheets. You'll find marketing tips, sales techniques, and special advice on how to share the gospel with your customers. Just go to hiveinternational.org slash resources. 